Welcome, ladies and germs, to another scintillating episode of Never Stay Dead. I am co-host one, Matt, and co-host Alpha. I am co-host two, co-host Beta. Uh-oh. <laughs> Damien. <laughs> I was trying to make it equitable. Oh, we're both alphas, yes. We are both alpha males. I, I sincerely believe that. <laughs> sure. Um... But what are we doing tonight? We're, I chose Death Note. We're doing volumes one through three because 12 volumes seemed a bit much to just do one discussion for. Yes, I'm grateful that we're only doing one through three. Although I would be happy to have you uh, tell me the ending later on. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so obviously a little different from the normal sort of thing we read. I mean, it being manga alone is a big deal, but I think this is the first true blue like thriller we've done. You know, no superheroes or anything. We've done no superheroes before, no capes, but... It's the first non-English language. I mean, we read it in English, but it's the first non-English language uh, comic we did, which means it comes from a very different tradition and a different culture. Although some of the stuff we read comes from England, that could be a different culture to us. And, and, uh, and it's one of the... Not the very first, but it's very early in my own manga reading experiences. Matt, you've been reading manga since you were a teen, right? I mean, I read manga more when I was a teen, and I've basically dropped off at this point. I don't read much of it anymore. It's the way it goes. I don't know. When, when did you originally read Death Note? I originally read Death Note when I was in college during a summer break. It was a big deal because there's some Viz deal where if you bought three volumes of something you got the fourth free and there's 12 volumes of this and i'd been wanting to read it and instead of doing a sensible thing i just bought the whole thing at once and spent a month reading it and enjoyed the heck out of it um i should also note i really like the manga there's an anime or you know adaptation of this and i don't like that one i confess i watched 10 minutes of it and decided eh, kind of boring Plus, I've already read the story, at least the part of the story that was in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so any, any other background you want to give on this before we start talking about the actual story? I mean, I, I don't know if I have much more background. Do you have anything to throw no, in? Just or? that this is one that I've heard about before. Mm-hmm. So I knew the basic premise. Ahead of and time. I think that helps. And I knew that it was extremely popular. So I, I knew there was a premise of a notebook that someone can write people's name in, names in, and then those people will die. And that's pretty much what I knew. And that complications would ensue from that basic fact. So, and it ended up being completely different than I imagined in that sense. That's fair. I mean, this is not what I would have expected at all. I guess the other thing to note is there's been some other weird adaptations of this. Like there's an American movie uh, based on this that was Netflix exclusive. And 
it goes very differently, but it's fun. Oh yeah, uh, my wife and I enjoyed that one. It's a it's a hoot and a half. Well, so overall, the plot, as far as we've gone in these three volumes, is still pretty basic. The thing that I really didn't see coming, which starts at the very beginning, is we actually start with some kind of death demon named Shingu, who comes from a, at least it's my interpretation, from a dimension of death demons or of demons. Yeah, and he's a Shimagame. I'm probably saying that a lot. Is Shimagame a thing outside of this comic? It's kind of their death demons. Like, they say death god, but it's not like a singular entity. It's a number of them, and it's a big part of Japanese lore. And it's been kind of amalgamized with uh, Christianity. So, like, we'll see um, we'll see this one here. Um, let, me, let me flip to the page so I'm with you there. Uh... You'll see some of these Shimagami like wearing crosses and stuff at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ryuk is the one we're seeing. And like he has that cross on his belt and stuff. Ryuk kind of looks like Lobo. A little bit. <laughs> Lobo crossed with a clown. He's got that clown smile with fang, fangy shark teeth inside of it. And clown eyes. So, and I don't know if that's just the artist's interpretation or if that's a standard interpretation. It seems like the different demons look different from each other, even though they're all the Shimigami. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's aspects that are kind of canonized or whatever, but like, a, there's no like singular look. It's not like the devil or anything, right? It's a, it's a demon with certain properties. I guess he. This I wasn't clear on. He either purposefully or accidentally drops his notebook in the human world. And, Intentionally. And whoever picks it up can use it. And if they touch it, they will also see him. And I guess he right. has to hang around as long as they have the notebook. Is that true? Or does he just want to hang around? I don't think he has to. And that's the that's part of the thing about this, um, is that within the world of death note there's these very like fixed rules and a lot of the story and a lot of the movement is around the bending or or kind of the discovery of these rules and that continues to be a motif as we move forward and so as we move on the rules of the death note are kind of put forward again at certain times so that we remember like that's how this universe works that's what we're playing with and that's very rigid very intentful that's one of the clever or powerful aspects of the book i would say that use of the rules it makes it kind of like a chess game or something right by setting the rules we know the stakes and we know the tension because we're what i think what's really cool about it is essentially it's a magic tool right it's a magical artifact if you're that sounds weird but basically and by having these really rigid rules around it, it takes away that kind of deus ex machina or flimsy writing idea of magic and being like, this is how it works. It's a tool. Here's the manual. And there's some stuff that's not necessarily in the manual, but it's all there so we can really play with it. And there's some, as we get to, I think it's more in the second volume, um, there's some wiggle room 
in the rules and light our our main character there starts toying with it to test the abilities he discovers aspects of the rules that the that ryuk the demon didn't actually know about right and i assume even more of that will happen in later volumes that i didn't read so he i assume he did not know who would pick up the the notebook mm-hmm he, d- he didn't know who it was going to be. Who does pick up the notebook named Light, which is a strange name. L-I-G-H-T. He, and I can't remember his last name, but it's a more standard Japanese last name. And, and Light turns out to be some kind of super genius, I guess. Right. He's one of those all-arounder high school guys who's like an athletic uh, whiz. He's a... He's like top placement in all his classes. He has his pick of colleges, that sort of thing. And he's right at the end of high school moving into college when we find him. And so, yeah, he, he's kind of the superstar kid who's kind of bored at the same time. And also, as the story unfolds, seems to have utterly total control over his emotional state. He doesn't ever give himself away. He's... um possibly evil oh definitively he wants to become he wants to at first it seems like he wants to use just his power for good but in a way that makes him godlike but after a while it seems like i mean i didn't uh, within these three volumes it's not 100 percent sure but it seems like he no longer totally cares about doing good at all right so i think that's where the story gets a little more interesting because i mean there's there's the character side of him which is the super smart and emotionally intelligent character that allows for these really dramatic plays and i think it's 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 really cool to see a reason for a story have this kind of very apt character uh because he's paired against someone at his level and so it makes that like chess match that you're talking about happen very quickly but and ultimately he's having a he's kind of in a slight bit of a chess match with the demon and then just with the police and society but then with this what i can only describe as japanese version of a sherlock holmes crime solver who also turns out to be a teenage boy or looks like a teenage boy so so when we start off he light gets the notebook and he starts playing with it because it says you know if you write down whoever they'll die and so he he tries it out a couple times because who wouldn't you know right try it out <laughs> and once he finds out it's real he comes up with this idea to like you said become kind of godlike he's punishing those who have done wrong those who have committed relatively capital crimes and doesn't he pr- pretty quickly on talk about you know making the world follow his lead in some way right through my leadership it will be a better world but they'll know that they'll know that it's me though not him not light eventually the persona cure comes about from this internet phenomenon which that name has more resonance in japanese culture but yeah to me it didn't have any resonance yeah, but eventually, I mean, to the wider world, this entity that's offing people who are wrong is known as Kira. But then this, like you said, it's it's like a Sherlock's home, like some sort of super investigator. L 
comes to the forefront and narrows in on him pretty quickly. And that's one of the moves that I really like about the book because there's no way to really know who it is at first because these people are dying of mostly heart attacks. That's one of the rules. If you just write someone's name within a set time frame, they just go from heart attack. They have like a heart attack within 40 seconds if you don't write anything else down, I think. Something like that. And But if you do write something else down, you can really detail out their death. But another one of the rules is it has to be within reason. They'd have to be able to act on knowledge that they have. Right. And you have to know what the person looks like and know their name. In a sense, you know, going back to the Sherlock Holmes thing, our character Light eventually is becoming Moriarty to Sherlock Holmes, to L's Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And it, it does happen. I think that was, you know, one of the disconcert. Well, it happens very quickly that light catches on to how to use this death note. And we skip ahead in time at some point, And he's already like, first he's trying it out. And then we skip ahead and he's killed a hundred people already or something like that. And I found that very, I didn't think that would be the way it would happen in a Western story. I I was shocked to not get the um, follow the character's movement from not believing to sort of believing to developing this <laughs> desire to kill huge numbers of people who he thinks are evil. Um, yeah. So... I, 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 that was my first moment of like, wait a minute, this this feels very unfamiliar to me. I don't know if that's a culture shift as much as the creator choice. Because, I mean, the, the main reason I could see that being done is pacing. Like, we get that idea, that character motivation from Light throughout the story anyways, though it comes at a bit of shock to us, but it also comes a bit of a shock to the Death God. Right. Which characterizes it in that same moment like even he's like whoa <laughs> no one's done that before and one of the coolest parts about ryuk is he's not necessarily on light side even though he has the notebook but he's just bored right he's just curious what's going to happen next in fact he's not right. on light side at all i think he's he's happy he'd be happy to see light screw up i think at least in the amount i've read um, it would amuse him to see light screw up. But I mean, it's pretty easy to tell that because um, light and L get into this, you know, back and forth, it's more entertaining for him. So he wants to see as tense as it gets. It's as entertaining for him as it is for us. Like, I, that's just a cool little twist on the idea. But see, for me, and I just assumed it was because I'm because of my idea of Western storytelling, this setup, the most interesting thing about it, I would have thought, was how does light go from being a normal teenager to this desire to be a power-wielding god? But that part is kind of skipped over. He's already there almost instantly. And so that's why, maybe it's just the author of this. To me, that would have been the proper material for the first six volumes that part that's skipped over in a sense because well because i mean he has a power complex and that's kind of what they build to by the time you get to volume two right but he seems to have his power complex almost immediately in terms of number of pages and then and then we get endless stretched out <laughs> uh 
manga style stretched out stories about playing out after that first hundred kills. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, once once people are now realizing after those however many kills, the hundred kills, they realize, oh, this must be the there's some connection between all these deaths. There's too much of a pattern here. Right. Well, and that's part of what they say initially is he's saying like any idiot could put together like all these heart attacks of all these criminals. Like there's a force going on. He didn't necessarily count on investigative force honing in on not just like Jap- Japan, but like his region of Japan very quickly, probably his high school. And then they start um, having a few tales go after a few reasonable subjects and um, because he feels the need to end the people telling him, which to me uh, felt like it was a part for me because I'm like, why didn't he let the tale live? Because the tale was going to leave basically like a day or two after he killed him. So if he left that alone, it, it would have pushed all that away. It would have absolved him more. Right. Somehow killing those, he ended up killing 10 FBI agents who for some reason, I mean, I don't think the FBI ever goes to Japan, but anyway, in this story they do. They do here because it's a joint investigation because there's criminals dying across the world. And so it's a national concern until those crimes stop happening nearly as much in America. And then they leave it to the Japanese because they've determined that it's a Japanese. But killing the FBI guys is part of some strategy. I can't remember now exactly how that worked. But it's part of his strategy and playing with L, I think. He's sending a message because no one in the public in Japan never knows about the killing of those FBI agents because legally they weren't there. Right. And it's partly a fear tactic um, because with that happening, there's a there was a squad that was assembled to take care of him. And it was like a room full of people. And then quickly that squad comes down to like eight characters Right. Everyone resigns because they don't want to, when they see the FBI agents get killed. Because before that, they probably thought, well, this is a bad guy because he kills a lot of people, but we can try and catch him and he's only going to kill bad people. So we, we're safe. Right. The, another thing that kind of caught me by surprise, because it didn't seem very set up at the beginning, maybe it was there and I missed it, is that his father is the chief of police. Yeah, and ends up being the person running the investigation about him, about Kira. Yeah, except that ultimately his dad's subservient to L. Ultimately, right? But at first he's in charge, and um, and and so he's hacking his dad's computer and finding out all kinds of information. But again, that's something I think. I think and. A normal, on average, an American or even British uh, story would front load a lot about his life before he becomes corrupt and not just dive into the post-corrupt life the way they did. I'm not, I, again, I'm not sure that's a East-West thing. I think that's just a pacing issue. Well, it's what made this story feel very odd and alien to me. The, there was so much loving detail on the chess game of it all between the good guy and the bad guy, if they really are good and bad. But um, that that it, it seems so focused on intricate details of that and so uncaring about other details that I would have cared about a lot that it just felt 
not like a bad story, but a very different story than I could have imagined this being. Well, yeah, I think especially because we're so used to superhero stuff, like that's so character first. This is plot first, hands down. Um, and it's a thriller. And so, but I'm also used to thrillers and science fiction novels and fantasy novels and horror novels. It's a lot like a horror novel, but it would be like a Stephen King novel that skipped the first three or four hundred pages. So better. <laughs> I, I I was lacking. Uh, I guess this is jumping ahead to my. I, I enjoyed reading it, but I was lacking caring about it. It is a weirdly detached story. I I, I feel like, because I mean, that's part of it. it. Like a big part of this story is that our point of view character is the villain. And for that, the reason why I think is an inverse of why your normal like cop procedural show actually follows the cops. Because in this case, the, the killing and the destruction, all that is with the stroke of a pen. And so by f- following the killer that's omnipresent and kind of invisible to everyone else and doesn't actually need to be anywhere per se, by following him, it keeps things more tense in a way that almost any other crime story, it would be the opposite. And so we keep up with him because that keeps the tension tighter. And so it's more about finding him and dealing with him. So his perspective is more interesting. And, and we get bits of his character as we go on, but his character is young, it's developed, and it's kind of, I mean, honestly, like, if, if you take away the Death Note Kira aspect, he's supremely boring. Right, he's kind of a dull, passionless, disconnected human being. But you could do stuff in terms of character-based stories with, with the disconnectedness, but there's no... At least in again in the three volumes I've read, there's no uh, interest in why he's disconnected or what that says about any other aspects of his life than this dispassionate chess game he's playing with the detective, and kind of a chess game he maybe is playing with the demon. Well, because ultimately, like school, he just breezes through. Like he he has this tennis thing we find out, but I mean it doesn't ultimately we yeah there there's a certain aspect of making it up as you go along i think where the tennis comes in later when it's needed i mean this thing is about that chess match it's about like you know if you have the supreme power like what would hold you back what does it and also i mean you're talking about this development of why he'd want to do all this and they kind of talk about it in a more sociological than psychological sense, but like it's the sense of the ability to do good, to change the world for the better, which oh man. Um, so I was at an anime convention one time and there was this death note debate panel, whatever I went because I was fascinated, but it was mostly younger people. And I was younger at the time too. Yeah. Thank goodness. But, um, but I mean, on a, dime the conversation went to like well i mean who do you kill with this thing and i i was the like lone voice in the room oh i guess along with my wife basically being like uh killing's wrong 
And just murdering a bunch of people isn't going to really solve many problems. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, you just need to kill, like, the president, all these heads of state, and start, like, and billionaires. And I was like, yeah. like, there's some fall down that I, I see what they're going for. But I was like, if you just start killing these people, like, society's gonna collapse because anyone's going to be afraid to do anything and if anybody does one thing the way you don't like it suddenly they're gone and that's not reasonable but it was just amazing to see how these people saw this and didn't see like the morality play or the fact that like this is bad like they just missed that right well the whole idea that you can play god and get it right (laughs) right but light very quickly we don't even explore what his what his ideal plan if the police weren't after him and now he's just mostly focused on fooling fooling the detective L and the police that are after him other than he wants he just says he wants society to follow his lead in a sense somehow through his killings they'll know what he wants and and well he wants a more idyllic world to me, it's it's a very, it's an interesting but very thinly developed premise. He does talk about this. He he wants a more idyllic world, and so like he wants to, I mean, he he basically wants to eliminate the idea of major crime, so people wouldn't murder, people wouldn't rape, people wouldn't do you know grand scale larceny that sort of thing. Um, cause harm on a mass scale. Right, and crime does go down once he starts doing this. So it is effective to kill people, (laughs) according to this story. Right, well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if there's a punishment like that, that kind of like omnipresent eye, people would react. I wonder if there's a sense of the... I don't know that the intelligent person is immoral. Well, he's a sociopath, right? Right. But is it talking, is it saying something about all sort of high achieving, super high achieving teenagers that, that they lack? I don't know if it's every high achieving teenager, but I I don't know if you've looked at like, um, sociopath, um, profiles and whatnot, like, there's a good deal of them that are relatively well achieved, relatively well um, received, partially because they're somewhat charismatic, because they're not burdened with really caring about what other people think about them. So they're able to maneuver and be personable in a room because they just want to do well and achieve. Um, and. So that's not what I learned when I was a psychology major, although that was 40 years ago, I guess. (laughs) But generally, the prisons are full of the sociopaths and the psychopaths because they make their mistakes pretty quickly in life. They don't take a good measure of things. And um, and, uh, there are probably exceptions, but it uh, probably plenty of exceptions. But that's kind of what I learned when I what, what I was taught when I was a psychology major. But I mean, there's kind of violent sociopathy and all that, and there's like a level of anger to it, but there's a level of people who are just detached, and they're not criminals. Like, they know killing is wrong and all that. They don't necessarily care the way an average person would, 
but they're still detached and and because of that they're able to do things other people aren't they do tend to be more charismatic they that's more where i'm seeing this he's able to achieve a lot more because he's playing everyone he's telling the score and he he's sharp and so he's constantly moving this around and able to completely control his reactions and whatnot like he he is not he he's emotionally intelligent but he's also not completely there at the same time it's it's a really weird character because like i said he's really boring when you break it down for him like as a person but the tools that that enables him with are shown throughout this and so i think that's what's coming through there and the story gains a new dimension i can't remember which whether it was in volume one or volume two where we meet this other character l in person and he has wild hair and bizarrely staring eyes and he has grips he he has to sit with his legs up and his toes gripping a cushion it's like some kind of strange uh psychological quirk of his and he's more like you said sherlock he's he's weirdly a more realistic sherlock holmes where you know that bit about sherlock holmes like only keeping the information in his head that he needs in order to solve cases but like isn't necessarily fully aware of things that we would consider common knowledge because he right. doesn't want that, you know. Yes, he doesn't even want to know about things that won't help him solve crime. Right. And this guy is incredibly eccentric. It's a character trait we get later, but like he eats sweets all the time because he's burning through so much brain power. He's basically like constantly semi hungry and needing that kind of like sugar fix. Mm-hmm. Um, like everything about what he does is to optimize stuff and he adds percentages to everything like he's crunching numbers to things right he's a bit of a human computer in a way right but he he seems inferior (laughs) in a sense to light because light is also a genius but he can appear normal and he can be attractive to girls and um Right. Although underneath he's a sociopath or a psychopath, he's succeeding in the world. If he didn't get this death note, he'd probably just go to college and get a really high degree and succeed really well in whatever field he goes into. Well, but that was the thing is Light says his goal, and he already has helped the police with a number of cases. He wants to become an investigator. And so that's what he's moving to, anyways. And so L is an investigator also, but I mean, L is the top investigator and light before his time even is matched with the world's best. And they're in this yin and yang fight. And that's, what's interesting. Like they're very similar, but they're very opposite at the same time. It's a, it's a great pairing. Like you said, Sherlock and Moriarty. So maybe they don't meet till the third volume. I was trying to find a, an image of their meeting. But uh, another thing that I liked, and obviously it's going to come to come into play, is there's certain bargains you can make with your um, death demon to make even better use of your um, death note notebook. And one is that uh, for the cost of half of your lifespan, 
you can add in the power of whenever you look at someone's face, you can see their name above their head so that you don't have to learn people's names to kill them. You can just look at them. And you also see how much time they have left. Oh, can you? Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, so... So the plot, the, the way the plot develops is he, he light the L. It's interesting, L and light. So they both have the same first initial. L um, f- has narrowed down the suspects, despite it seeming like an impossible mystery to solve. And one of them is our hero, Light. And eventually he introduces himself to Light uh, when they both go off to college. And they both win the award for having the highest uh, score on the entry exam. I don't know if that's a real thing in Japan. They give out an award when college begins to who had the best high school score advancement through school is a bit of a different thing there and there's like placement and then there's some there's people who kind of fail out of every school and then that really determines their placement and what they're available to do and yeah school's a lot more rigorous and hard fought there but i didn't know if if that ceremony was a real thing but anyway made a kind of bizarre drama yeah, I mean, that is one thing that was definitely more manga than comics is this, like, need to have this, like, high school and this, like, ranked recognition kind of deal. Like, that's very part and parcel. Like, I know we have stuff with high school in comics, but usually the high school stuff fades away pretty quickly. Like, as much as, like, Spider-Man was a high schooler early on, like, the amount of issues that actually dealt with him being in high school or any of that were pretty far in between but i hear that like the idea of school is pretty present um so i'm on a page here now where i did find where they're both getting the award and we can see light with his straight posture dressed really nicely and l with his creepy posture and wearing the wrong clothes and has to keep his hands in his pocket and his weird staring eyes and that's the other thing, too, is that um, Light is affluent. You know, his family is doing pretty well. His dad's the chief of police. You know, they have this big home. He's able to afford kind of different things. Whereas there's a note of cost to it that I think comes up shortly after this. Uh, money isn't as much of an object for him. Yeah, and maybe a police chief is higher in the social rank. I mean, the police chiefs here get paid very well, I suppose. But I don't know if they're usually viewed as their children being in the elite. But perhaps they are. I don't really know. I mean, it's a pretty prestigious job. Yeah, I mean, he's not like a multimillionaire, but they're doing good. So then, I mean, then we get the chess game in person. Like, does he really think I'm... Does he know... No, I'm, does he think I'm Kira? And um, what's he trying to do? Why is he saying every, every word they say each other is part of a chess game back and forth? And he tells, and, and um, uh, L, I forget the, L takes on the name of some well known movie star or something, which Light origin, or, immediately thinks is probably fake. And then eventually L tells him, I am L, and I think you might be Kira. But what's really fun about that is Light doesn't necessarily believe he's L, but he knows he has to play like he is anyways because he's associated one way or another. And it's... 
And we already had a fake L in volume one who was immediately killed. So this could be a fake, for me as a reader anyway, you know more than I do. This could be a fake L also. It's not. Okay. And it almost occurred to me, maybe L is more than one person or, you know, uh, institution. Well, yes and no. Um, and it turns out that L is also very good at tennis and they have this amazing tennis match. You know, which is great. This is the kind of thing that I hear about in manga and I like when I see it. You just wouldn't see an extended tennis match in an American comic. You might see it for a panel or two. There's one hugely popular tennis manga. I've never read it. Nor can I remember the name right now. But yeah, like there's sports manga and all that. Like, I wasn't even sure if tennis was like an important sport in, in Japan. Oh, yeah, it's really big in japan so is baseball light is eventually invited to join the investigative team even while being told you're a suspect (laughs) right but because his deductive skills are so incredible they want him on the team because light has this thing where he suspects him but he suspects him at like three and then five percent and then slightly more right. later, but only because he's so canny, he believes he could be pulling off and fooling L because L considers himself wherever he is. And that's why we did skip one major, it, possibly the most popular part of Death Note. Um, w- right after the FBI agents are killed, a number of targets are have their homes bugged and set up with secret cameras. Oh, right. That was a great scene. Yeah. Light uh, figures out a way around this because he has to keep the deaths rolling. Otherwise, they're going to know during this period that they put them under scrutiny. It stopped and that would raise suspicion. So he figures out a way around the cameras all in his room by buying this micro television so he could watch the news to know who to target and he's writing with one hand inside this potato chip bag that has the TV. And then he's uh, doing his homework on the other hand. Meanwhile, cameras are all around him. And so, and he sets up deaths for two weeks, like a week, a death every day or something. Mm -hmm. So that even if they don't ever see him so that deaths will continue while they're watching him do nothing. Uh, It's this whole deal. It's really it's really cool to read in the comic. That was the point where I, they lost me in the anime because it was this like dramatic camera switching between, you know, one hand and the other. It was just, is so over the top and it, it lost me. Well, and, and there the demon does help him. He asks the demon and the demon searches the room and tells him where every single camera is. And there's like a 40 cameras put in his room, which is kind of mind boggling too. Well, and what's really cool is the way he uh, like gets Ryuk to help him is because Ryuk wants to constantly be eating apples for for them. Apparently, apparently, like apples are like drinking or like smoking a cigar or something like it's his addiction. And so now were the apples introduced before that scene or? Yeah. Okay. because my I often feel like things just come up when they're needed and that that there's kind of a oh, there's Ryuk with an apple. (laughs) I mean, they mentioned the Apple thing um, when um, Kira was testing his abilities and had one of them write, like, death gods love apples. And then they explain why later. 
And so basically Light's saying to Ryuk, like, I can't let you eat apples in my room if there's cameras all over because they'll see a floating apple. That's going to be a problem. And so he's like, you need to find the cameras and then they work out something. So he, he gets his apples, but it's a bartering thing. And so it's this ability to take advantage of this floating invisible entity that isn't necessarily on your side but leveraging what you have with them to take care of this problem that you can do for because he pointed out like he would have looked for the cameras himself it would have been fine but he can't be looking for the cameras while the cameras are on him and not raise suspicion right it's that chess game and that's that's the thing is like this thing is complete thriller complete compelling complete just plot focus well complete compelling for you well okay sorry if you weren't but yeah it that's how it moves forward and then in in the books that we read the the final kind of i maybe i'm missing something but in my memory the final kind of twist that we get is there is another well they call it another kira another person with a death note Right, and they allude to it like a couple chapters earlier, but in the the Death Realm, another Shimagame hears, heard about what Ryuk's doing. Like, he dropped a Death Note, and they're having grand old time, and most of them are just bored to tears. So one of them's like, cool idea, drops their Death Note, and then all these deaths happen, and then all these people are trying to figure out who the new cure is. And I actually think it's a bit of a failure of the book that they end that chapter by showing us who it is it's this girl who's obsessed with kira and wants to meet him and figures by the way she's doing things that you know she'll get to meet him and that they'll right and he'll admire her right and it's funny because she's intelligent but not like super intelligent like the rest and they're like l's already locked on to the fact that like this is another person suddenly with these abilities but because of the targets it's a different person and and the final revolution is she says i'll be fine i'm sure kira is really nice to people who support him and anyway if push comes to shove i've got the eyes so i'm stronger she made the bargain for half her life to get the powerful eyes Yep. So she is clearly not as smart as Light. <laughs> or at least that's my assumption. And she's not. Is is headed for a world of trouble. And perhaps so that made that definitely made me want to read the next volume. But I did not find this super compelling. I was bored for long periods of time and sort of felt like even though I know the chess game kept moving forward, it it started to feel a little tiresome to me and it's hard to imagine reading all 12 volumes for me. I mean, they keep throwing curveballs. This thing doesn't stop twisting and churning, but I actually, she's the, we've only got a a few pages of her, but she's the first character that kind of, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like I just, these other two, the other two main characters really aren't Mm -hmm. much in the way of characters other than light and L and maybe the father, the police chief. I think the police chief had a great moment um, because he, we did skip over that part. Like he suffers a heart attack just because he's under so much stress dealing with everything. Because he's like a 40 year old man. So heart attacks are come with the territory. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> resist digging in on that. While there, Elle's talking about how Light's a suspect 
and whatnot and like keeps saying like are you trying to kill him like he just had a heart attack like you need to stop telling him that his son is a suspect and his dad says no i understand all that but he has this conversation about like how he feels sorry for whoever is granted this ability because like just the ability to access death itself is a curse put on that person that's going to weigh on their soul and that's the problem more so than the person itself and it was this really like interesting moralization out of nowhere Mm -hmm. that i think added a lot to the entire story and it was through this character who's kind of this moral paragon but not the most intelligent person like the least intelligent person in that room between his son l and himself like but a very competent strong person and so i liked that you're right no that was a very good note too i think for me all of this could be way better if it was shrunk down from what did we read 600 pages to about 150 pages how would you even do like this thing's been so breakneck and there's so much that happens like i can't imagine it happening any faster than it is and so to me it seems to go on and on and on about while missing a lot of what would make it a a more exciting interesting story basically the character stuff that i would like to see yeah you just want the character stuff but it's as a old western reader okay (laughs) Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> but I, Yeah, I don't think it's an East-West thing. I mean, there, there's a lot of character-driven stuff, whatever. Not in this book, but elsewhere. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this thing is completely plot-first. It's about what happens next. It's completely thriller. And so, yeah. I don't know. It seemed to go, to me, it felt, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I went back and analyzed it page by page, I'd, I'd find I'm wrong. But it just felt like it went into an overabundance of somewhat repetitive detail on the plot elements. And I think that well, I, it does. I think that you, one would be more impressed by this reading it, you know, at the age you originally read it at or even younger. And also that um, that bored teenager kind of bored teenager kind of uh, nihilistic feeling that some people have in their teens or early 20s mm-hmm. might give this more frisson or more uh, more of an emotional connection than I feel for it. So, or to put it another way, this has not convinced me that I like manga. Well, okay. God, if so... If and you- all my manga... Re- this is better. This is the best manga I've re- read so far. What are you comparing it Not to? Not a whole lot. I think we've talked before. I've read, I've read uh, a couple of volumes of Cho Bits. <laughs> I've okay, read a teeny yeah, bit of One Punch Man. Reality. I got halfway through a volume of One Punch Man. I'm surprised you didn't take. Okay. I I once read out loud with my daughter when she was younger part of a volume of My Hero Academia, but we both kind of lost interest. Yeah, and that's... then just recently. Uh, because you had mentioned it, and then another friend of mine mentioned Berserk. So I read, I bought, I actually bought a volume of Berserk, and I read that. Ooh. And that didn't do much for you. So, I mean, this this was, the one I've read the most of was Chobits. This, I like this much better than Chobits. But I still have the feeling of 
I, I don't feel driven to read the rest of it. And uh, if it were free, I would read the rest of it. But I probably wouldn't pay more money. And I got these very cheap because they were on okay. sale on Comixology. So I think I got it for 3 or $4 a volume. The Berserk, I would read some more if it were free. But I had to pay $15 for this paperback. And almost nothing happened in it, you know, other than the initial setup. Berserk gets dark. So if there was one more manga to push you on, I know what it would be. But it would be kind of the last gasp. Is it called the last gasp? It is not. Oh, I have also read, it's very early manga, I've read a big fat volume of Astro Boy. That was quite a long time ago. Oh, yeah, that's some, I've never touched that, but I I can't imagine you like That was that. described to me by someone who likes manga as like the Jack Kirby of manga. <laughs> Because he's so foundational, or maybe the Will Eisner of manga. I'm not sure which. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there is a Jack Kirby or a uh, Will Eisner of manga. There's definitely some important artists, but the thing is, is like more of these guys stay to a few creations of theirs. There's a handful of exceptions, but um, actually, if there's anyone who, hold on, I need to look up the guy's name. Akira Toriyama, who did Dragon Ball and has done a million other things, he would be, I think, the Jack Kirby. He's of, kind of foundational for what other people build on. But he's also done so many other things and like reached into like video games with like Chrono Trigger and stuff. And like that's part of it too, is that like manga has a closer relationship to like anime and video games. So it's more of like a multimedia kind of nexus as opposed to just being like comics and da da da. Yeah, I understand that. And Death Note obviously has a long anime series and a movie. You said there were also some live action ones in Japan. Yeah, there's some yeah, there's so there's some Japanese live action ones and then there's the American live action movie and yeah, it's it's a deal. Um what was I gonna say? The the last manga I would push you to try that would probably at least a few volumes in to give it a bit of a swirl. Cause the the tone of the beginning versus where it ends, or most of it is a little bit different. Um, is a uh, Full Metal Alchemist. I think that's one you would potentially like. You know, it's not that I didn't enjoy Death Note, and I obviously I think it's very clever. The art is at times really amazing, and at times too teenagery for me. But um... that's fair. Well, that's the other thing you have to remember. This is a Shonen Jump manga, so 10 pages every week. That's... I mean, <laughs> um, oh, I've been curious, just because I've seen some imagery from it, of that uh, Attack on Titan. I wonder if I'd like that. I Go for it if you want. I, I couldn't recommend it. Was Cowboy Bebop a manga? There's a manga of Cowboy Bebop, but just watch the anime. Yeah, I have watched um, the anime. That's one of the animes that... I haven't watched a bazillion animes, but I've watched yeah, one every, anime. Everyone's seen Bebop. Have you seen the movie? No, I didn't even know there was a movie. Oh, it's so good. Um, and the soundtrack is incredible, though it's Cowboy Bebop, so redundant. There's there's a so there's two mangas of Cowboy Bebop. There's a three volume kind of like mini stories that take place during the bulk of the anime. They're fun, but they're extraneous. And then there's a two-volume manga called Shooting Star that was 
based on the original pitch of the show where things are a little different. Um, Spike is a little more hard-boiled. So is Jet. Um, Ed is actually a sibling character set. Um, Faye's less in it. Ein's a little more vicious. But it's only like two volumes and it's just like an alternate take on Cowboy Bebop. It's, uh, it's fun. But also, again, kind of frivolous. Um, See, I mean, my impression of manga is there's it's cool because there's all these different genres and stuff. But I'm also forming the impression that a lot of it is just on a page by page or <laughs> chapter by chapter level. It's too thin for me. I, I feel and maybe it's, again, because of a cultural difference. And if I were Japanese, I would feel the reverse but i feel like there's not as enough going on page for page and one of the things that i like about comics is it gives me a lot per page more than a novel and uh you know for the amount you you can pack the information of a chapter in a novel in two or three pages of a comic if you want okay yeah and it feels like the reverse here and so maybe that's a an aesthetic thing or just what you're used to or what I, my expectations I come into a comic book with. So the closest thing I can equate this to, because I feel like it's one of the few places where you could, when Marvel was trying to bring Spider-Man to Japan, there was a Spider-Man manga, mm-hmm. which I have every translated. Thank you for getting me those issues. Um, or helping me find the last few issues. Um, oh yeah. When you visited, I helped you. Right. So the thing that they found was that when they were studying the difference between markets, um, the American readers were a lot more focused on like what was going on and kind of the, the story and the intent and the feeling and a lot of things that we focus on uh, when we talk through books and whatnot. And they found the Japanese audience was a bit more plot focused and also more focused on the art and tend to flip through things faster because they're trying to like take it in while they're going on a train ride, you know, commuting or quickly between things. I thought of that while reading this and while reading Berserk, that if you're picking it up on your commute, um, the fact that you can have a lot, you know, be jostled by people and stuff like that. And earlier today on a, on a, a video hangout that I was on, we were talking about Boo Baker and, and Phillips uh, Pulp, they're one of their recent hardbacks, Pulp. I don't know if you've read it. Oh, I haven't read that one. And it's on. it's got all these lo- layers in about 50 pages about a guy who mm-hmm. used to be a cowboy who uh, in his old age is writing uh, pulp stories about cowboys. And he gets recruited by someone who used to be his enemy to disrupt some Nazi protesters in the 1930s. And there's just all oh, these cool. elements and layers of society and fiction, you know, f- modes of fiction, and it's all mm-hmm. packed in in those 50 pages. And that's kind of my ideal of a comic. And so that may just get in my way of this kind of extended, I don't know, it seems like these are more like uh, long guitar solos based on a single riff or something <laughs> at times. Okay. It's a weird metaphor. Okay. Um, but so I can see reading it day by day on your uh, commute, you know, 10 or 20 pages at a time. And it's not hard to, you won't lose track of where you are. 
as you jump back in the next day. Yeah, so... So, while you're talking, I'm recalling a debate I got into. So, I, I have a friend who has moved to Japan. He's a translator. He's much bigger into manga and has read some comics. But he and I got into a thing where he was talking about how the art was so great in manga. And I was saying, look, there's a lot of incredible artists in manga. I'm not saying there isn't. But when you talk about the higher levels of what's on a page, American comics, and especially, frankly, European comics, are so much more detailed. Like, there's so much more going on than manga. And I was saying, it's not the fault of manga, but the manga industry and the way that the pages are. Because, I mean, the thing is, is, like, this is how this is the size of what a manga is if you get a shonen jump it's like a magazine size but it's all blown up and it's not really detailed but this is meant this is the size it was originally meant to be read in i mean originally it's shonen jump but i mean when they publish it i mean they purposely shrink it down so it's more dense and a little darker um and it doesn't have like when you read a shonen jump you know how when you blow up a uh an older american comic and you get that kind of like dot matrix look it's 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 not quite there but it's a little closer to that at least as i'm flipping through pages here of death note and the average panel has one maybe two people in it and the thing is is if you start paying attention you'll notice there's a lot of shortcuts taken so like there's about 25 general face frames for characters and as you start looking through like you'll notice like lights like this and l's like this and the part of the reason is is because they have these character models and then they have eyes so i don't know if you've ever seen it's like um like have you ever seen how like um uh weekly strip artists do their comics like a sally forth is a perfect example um so in sally forth there's the husband model the wife model and then the daughter model and then like a handful of other characters and then they have like a forward facing you know 45 45 complete side complete side and then a few others and then 10 eyes 10 lips and da, da, da. and so they basically don't even have to draw they can basically take a computer and just slap these things together and there's little like marks on the faces to put the lips the eyes the nose that sort of thing and so it's this very like art by numbers kind of thing and you're able to just crank it out 10 pages a week yeah they're cranking it out they're taking every shortcut they can and so whereas when they need to draw something impressive, they do, which is what you were pointing to. There's other times where they aren't. And those pages are where they're making up the time so that they can get ahead or catch up on uh, what they're doing. And sometimes some of those chapters, I think, that you're feeling where things are slowed down is probably just due to the freaking churn of it. And as much as I do love this, some of the weaknesses you're pointing to, I think, is just because of the industry of manga which i think cuts down on the artistry of it well times. there's plenty of weaknesses anywhere right i mean I, i'm not saying that sure that uh, other people shouldn't read manga or that it isn't equal or better than u.s comics but i'm saying for me uh these these sort of what i'm and, and i might be wrong there might be all kinds of manga to disprove me but 
uh, what I'm seeing so far just says to me that given my limited time, do I just keep reading Western comics? But I don't know. I'll probably try some more. And if I, you know, maybe yeah. back when, when libraries opened back up, I'm just out of curiosity, I might have read a few more issues of Berserk. Berserk struck me, if you don't mind my saying this in insulting terms a little bit, but it, it struck me as kind of like um, outsider art, like someone just obsessive over. Oh, yeah, unquestionably. Over this kind of thing. And so in, a, in the United States kind of version of comics, you would have saw, seen a much shorter version of this in some semi-professional underground comic back in the early 70s or something. Not as violent, probably, but um, more violent than, than mainstream comics. Well, and the closest thing to Berserk in Western terms is Cerebus. So... Right. And it is a Conan. You know, Cerebus, of course, comes out of Conan. But at least this first volume of Berserk, right. it's just uh, fight some people, get tortured, talk to a little fairy, fight some people, get tortured, talk to a little fairy, fight some people, get tortured, fight, talk to a little fairy. I, I'm sorry. It's just, you've only read the first volume of Berserk. Berserk is the darkest piece of media i've I ever encountered you. I <laughs> and you you haven't touched like it gets it's oh i mm. and i've thought about talking about berserk for this show before and i'm like i don't want to because i don't want to talk about like it's the darkest thing that's been published that i know of and like I don't want to spend an hour and a half talking about like how three characters were raped in different, different ways. Like it's, mm, <laughs> it's a gut check, but it's also one of the most influential pieces of media of all time. You'll see Berserk influence a number of different comics, a number of different anime, a number of different metal bands, a number of different um, Western comics. It's, and it, it must be one of Dark Horse's better-selling manga because they've recently released it in their library editions, you know, leather-bound, really nice hardbacks. I find hilarious in a way. It's kind of like when you see the absolute editions of Transmetropolitan. To me, Transmetropolitan should be read in, like, beat-up trades by people, you know, like, smoking cigars in a back room or something. Like, it, there's a disconnect there to me. So, you know, well, maybe then I don't want to read more Berserk, but judging from the first volume, it's fun, but it didn't feel like a good investment of my money and possibly of my time. But I mean, I used to think, wow, manga is a good deal, but but really, I'd much rather pay the same amount for a thinner American trade um, in terms of the amount of entertainment I would get out of it. Well, part of it, too, is that um, the, the... what you got with your berserk there or these death note volumes these are pulpier pages so they've actually reprinted death note since i bought it into um volumes that are like i think it's three volumes per section and one of those is about a half of what the size of this is i don't know it's interesting and it's interesting too because one thing we didn't talk about is this is black and white. Um, the the depth of that and the um... digitally it worked well for me because I was 
uh, reading it on the screen. Um, there, there is. I did have had problems with other manga being black and white, but I, I, I maybe this will help train me read other black and white manga. But I did not have that sense of confusion that I've had. I can't. I don't even know which comics I've tried, which manga I've tried, and sort of got lost partially because the black and white didn't focus my eyes on on the right part of the story. There's some of them that don't do a great job. So um, the other big, or one of the other big Dark Horse manga that was brought over, and their fir- Dark Horse's first manga that they brought over was Trigun. Uh, Trigun is my favorite anime of all time. <laughs> and the way it's drawn um, at times, because it's black and white, is insanely hard to follow in action scenes there are certain pages i just flipped through because i couldn't tell what was going on and and in that way the art hurt it but it's still it was still a fun read to me because i just have such a love for trigon those characters it couldn't not be no i have a very high i i don't i'm sorry i don't know the name of the artist of uh death note but i have a very takeshi obata I, I really enjoy. I I really appreciated the art. I mean, it, many pages it's just talking heads, but he he clearly is a master of visual storytelling. and never was confused and always um, kept me in the story that way. So, I have another manga that I think you'd like um, that just came to mind. That's my I think actually my favorite manga of all time, which is Ikigame. The, the premise is in, so Ikigame, the premise is the Japanese government, in order to help keep order, um, when you're born, they shoot a, like, tablet into everyone, and there's a one in, like, one thousand chance that it's going to be activated at a random date, and you will die. The person who issues you an ikigame is telling you, you have 24 hours to live. And here is a pass to basically, you have unlimited money, more or less, for 24 hours. What do you do with it? And then we follow this one guy who issues the ikigames and talks and is like examining the morality of it as he goes through because he basically took this job because he needed the job. And it's this fascinating thing in every story and there's like two real stories per volume examines you know what happens to these people but we follow him through everything and the plot kind of builds as we go and it's it's really cool and it's one of the most um humanizing comic stories i've ever seen like it's a really crazy idea but i mean once you get past that crazy idea it's just human reactions to this thing and different people reacting in different ways uh based on their situation and the the actually i think it's funny because i think the first story is partially the weakest and also one of the most necessary to get out of the way Okay, well, I wonder if, I mean, uh, I could not get Death Note, unfortunately, on Hoopla, but I wonder if I can get Ikigami there. So in a sense, so why do you think you read less manga now? 
Um, okay, so when I was in high, so I've always been a comics guy, right? Like, I've told you about my first comic being the Batman Adventures comic where Scarecrow takes away people's ability to read. Um, so I, yeah, I, I just love that. Um, so I, I've been reading comics forever, but when I got into high school, I, at that point, still, I hadn't really found anyone to talk comics with. And God, all I needed in this world was someone to just yell about Spider-Man and Deadpool for like a few hours a week. Um, to What I found was some of my friends ended up in the anime club. And what I found was like anime was a lot like comic stories, just not you know, Marvel or DC, which I'd gotten to a bit at that point, or some other random stuff. But it was this kind of like idea and it was fun. And so it was a lot of people that liked a sort of thing I liked. And so I just started getting into anime and I pr- hit it pretty hard, pretty quick. Um, in my sophomore year, I was in the high school club. Uh, by my junior year, I was in the high school club, and then there was a college club that we would start going to as well. And then, so I was hanging out with college kids, watching anime, talking all this stuff, and some of them had read some Marvel, and so I was getting a little bit more of that. And so that just followed all the way through until I was in college. And so I was watching anime, and incidentally, I mean, I was reading some manga because it was comics of some of this other stuff i was digesting elsewhere and as i was coming in you know like the gold standard of manga and anime i was just being hit with year after year because i was taking in you know decades of backlog or i've heard on a publisher's weekly podcast about how when the first manga manga boom in the united states happened it was great because they were picking they had all the best manga available to bring over here and and then it kind of slowed down when they started bringing in more manga that maybe was just more run-of-the-mill manga. Well, I think about it. If you were to just hit a country with the best comics of all time now, and then it's five years later, and then you're trickling more stuff in, it's, yeah, it's going to drop off a bit because suddenly you've burned through Watchmen, V for Vendetta, your top Batmans, your top Spider-Mans. Later down the road, you have to read the Chuck Dixon Batman or the. Um, I haven't read yeah, Chuck Dixon. Chuck Dixon sorry, so some good, unfair. good stuff. But yeah, I, exactly, right. And so, and you're more beholden to what's coming out now. And there was some of that. And I mean, some of it was personal. Some of it was the time. And do you know what year that was? They mentioned when that happened. No, I want to say it was. Right around 2000 or, you know, really late 90s, early 2000s. Right. And that's the thing is that's right when I was coming into it. So I I hit this nexus point where there's some people before me who um, were taking the manga they could get and the anime that they could get and the cost of it and the accessibility of it was at this weird level. And when I was coming into it, it was still weirdly expensive. So like illegal dubs and internet connections and all that allowed me to pour through stuff and i was going to a lot of clubs so i knew they were taking advantage of this illegal stuff but it was one way or another for me i was just sitting there watching with everyone else um but that was a big deal like you're talking about anime now or about illegal copies of manga? both so like at the time at the time when i was getting into it for several years uh to watch trigun legally 
was $200 for the DVD set. What was funny was my dad, who would never do anything illegally intentionally, but was... One year, I just wanted Trigun for my birthday. He's like, what do you want? I was like, I want this show to watch. Um, And it's the only thing I really want. (laughs) And so he he looked for it, and he looked for it online, and he found what was called at the time, it's an S2 rip, which meant people took the legal copies and compressed them and put it onto less DVDs. And it was just a pirated edition, so they were selling it for like 40 bucks. My dad bought me these, and he didn't know, because it was just some site online. There was no way to tell. And so it was really interesting. But it was really funny, too, because um, the S2 rips, um, anytime there was a certain density of anything, the entire um, screen would just pixelate, and the audio would get weird. Um and so, I mean, that's how I found out it was illegal. It was because I was like, "This something is wrong with this thing." And so, um, I I talked to some friends and I found out about the whole thing. Um, well, I understand there's a big boom now in both anime and manga because of streaming services, and and the the inexpensive access to anime seems to feed into the published published manga too. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for a while there in the 2000s, like manga was way bigger than any comics. Even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's coming back to that, apparently, in terms of sales. Well, and a major reason why is a lot more manga brings in a lot more female readers for a handful of reasons, kind of mixed in all at once. And well, and I think we're getting a generation even more than your generation who's been who's watched so much asian material uh mostly japanese but now a lot of korean too um so they they're a lot of the not the language language but you know sort of the language of story and the language of types of characters and just all of that is much more familiar to the kids growing up today right well and i mean when i think about it i mean my gateway was x-men cartoon spider-man cartoon ninja turtle cartoon and so many kids now i mean it's just ubiquitous to have like inuasha dragon ball pokemon um sailor moon right and most girls cartoons that we watch with my daughter i now realize were descendants of sailor moon the, the the just endless variations on the magical girl cliche, which I'd never even heard of magical girl as a genre <laughs> until my daughter started watching all this stuff. And then we started looking into it and seeing, oh, it goes seems to go back to Sailor Moon. Yeah, I think Sailor Moon is the one that really popularized it. I swear there has to have been one before yeah. it, but ultimately, right. yeah. And then, and then there are even uh, non-Japanese stuff that imitate that formula to one degree or another, like this Italian show called Winks. I don't know if you heard about that, but that was huge with little girls. And then um, what's it called? Cat, uh, Ladybug and Cat Noir, a French anime influenced cartoon that's really big with kids. Uh, all of those borrow elements. So anyway, it's part of the, the storytelling language for kids growing up even before they read any comics 
I feel pretty good about having tried new things. And I'm, as I get older, still doing that. But I, I'm wondering if at some point I'm just going to reach my limit and I'm going to, you know, a lot of comic book collectors that we know who are in my age range are only focused on reading the old comics and collecting the old comics. Well, I'm reaching a point with that too. Like this last year, I, I bought so much. And I mean, I'm buying Marvel. I'm buying X-Men. I'm buying Spider-Man. I, I bought some Green Lantern because I wanted to pick a DC character just to not be a schmuck, I guess. But like, I haven't looked into manga forever. I haven't really looked into many European comics. And right now I'm just like, I, I've i always wanted to read a bunch of this stuff. And now I'm just going to go for it. And I can come around to some other stuff later. But... You know. So did reading Death Note stir up the urge to read more? Right now, I, I've kind of I pulled it out. Um, I'm going to read through Death Note and finish it. Well, so this was this was cool. Didn't change my, my hasn't changed me yet, but who knows? And then the important question is: Do you know what we're reading for next time? I do not know. <laughs> So uh, we'll come back from the dead with a surprise, I guess. Sounds good. We can stop our recordings, I guess. I did um, edit the remainder of our conversation from last time. I'm going to release it as a podcast tomorrow morning, I think.